Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from CapturingTheCharmedLife.com. If you're a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure you can do this homeschool thing. If you're a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there's just too many things to do. Or you're a homeschool mama that's not showing up in her homeschool the way she wants to show up in her homeschool, then this is the podcast for you. I'm especially dedicating this podcast season, the third season of the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast, to the newer homeschool mama or to the homeschool curious. So if you've been homeschooling for just a few years, a few months, or are considering homeschooling for the upcoming year, then this podcast season is dedicated to you. I'm a homeschool life coach here to help you turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. So welcome, homeschool mama. On today's episode, I'm going to share an approach to get more freedom, simplicity, and individualization in your homeschool or in your potential homeschool. Today, I'm going to talk about how curiosity should be a staple to a home education and how to facilitate it. Erica Arndt from Texas is a newer homeschool mama of littles. She recently had a tiny little one added to her family. Congratulations and welcome to the world, baby Arndt. She's also a remarkable creative. She loves art when she's not homeschooling. Beautiful, what appear to me impressionist pieces. And you know how I love impressionism. When I asked homeschool mamas if they wanted to share a question about their homeschool experience, this is what Erica said. I often wish there were more examples of homeschoolers starting out, but I know it's because it's hard and it doesn't feel worthy of sharing until it's more figured out. My biggest wonder is how people homeschool with babies and very young children in tow. We are doing it in the cracks of the day but I'm worried that my oldest needs more from me and I just don't have a lot of time or attention. I'm getting better at snatching 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there with her, but I know that this season is just going to be more life skills and less technical academics, but might be helpful to have some examples of how others have navigated the years of schooling older kids while nursing a distracted baby or chasing down a three-year-old or even just encouragements that this time can be less academic and later years will, in a sense, make up for that. Thank you for all your work, Teresa. You really are a huge blessing to the homeschool community. Erica, I'm truly thankful to be able to connect with you across the continent and to actually discover your beautiful art as well. And I am happy to share. I am actually tickled because when I first started homeschooling, I had, what was it, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old? one of the two, and a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and an eight-month-old baby. So I remember well those days. A lot of read-alouds done on the sofa while my kids were gathering around me. I even have photos of that. And yes, snatching moments in the day. That is exactly how it was. That was exactly my experience. So today I'm going to talk about what I think is the most important element of an education. You can use a different word for this. You can use a different adjective for curiosity. You can talk about child-led learning, project-based learning, interest-led learning. Oh, so many possibilities. But ultimately, when it boils right down to what we're talking about, we're talking about fueling 
curiosity in our kids. Curiosity. Curiosity can do some pretty amazing things in our world. Two guys played in their garage tinkering with computer stuff for years. They became rather successful. Do you know who they are? You're very possibly holding their Apple product in your hand. Curiosity and education, we know they work hand in hand. A good long while ago, there was also a curious artist and scientist who wondered why the shifts in constellations occurred. The church didn't like his conclusion. In fact, the church government was ready to have his head, literally. If he continued his blasphemy against the scriptures, because clearly, obviously, the scriptures declared the earth was at the center of the universe, despite accusations of blasphemy and living under house arrest for the rest of his life, his seemingly questionable theory that the earth was rotating around the sun later became scientific fact, as you are likely aware. So, let curiosity reign, and let's individualize kids' educations. In a TED Talk titled How to Escape Education's Death Valley, Ken Richardson had a lot to say about how schools kill creativity. Here are the things I've learned about curiosity and education and how to facilitate it. One, kids are naturally learning animals. Maybe they're not interested in the topics we want to share with them. Maybe they have different interests than ourselves, but they are curious. When provided large swaths of time to pursue their interests, they do pursue their interests. Though I have plenty planned for each study year, I know that the best avenues to pursue are those aroused by the ones I hope to engage, my children. Everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Do you know who said that? Albert Einstein. The second thing that I've learned about how curiosity and education are intertwined is this. If the kids are interested in something, they will absorb and learn. The role of the teacher is to facilitate learning. That's all, folks. The third thing that I've learned about curiosity and education is that if my children ask questions, I should listen and help find resources to answer their questions. Very early on in our homeschool days, I remember four little kids sitting at the table at dinner time, and my husband had just come home from his work, probably, I don't know, a shift at the hospital, or he was working in the medical clinic, something. He's an introvert in a world of people all the time. And so he's coming home. I've got dinner ready. I want everybody to come to the table. We're going to have dinner together. It'll be a pleasant, quiet dinner. Right. Okay, so we're all joining together, and I'm thinking, it's too loud. Everyone needs to be quiet. So I asked them to be quiet. And somehow something one of the kids asked was kind of educational. and It was prompting a conversation that probably we needed to address right then because I might not remember to address it later. And it dawns on me. Who else are they going to ask about stuff? They're going to ask me. 
So if they're asking questions, I need to answer. If they're asking questions, it means they're thinking. They're digesting something that I'm sharing with them or they've heard somewhere and they want to explore it. That would be curiosity in action. The fourth thing that I learned is that we need to let them be explorers. Give them plenty of time to free play. And there's a lot of research on play these days that actually suggests we should be spending a whole lot more time giving them freedom to play. It's how the brain wires and grows together, is through a lot of play. And when you're doing any formal lessons, because of course we're going to do some formal lessons sometimes, at least many homeschool families do some formal lessons, then watch for signs of overwhelm. Too much lap reading time, too much read aloud, too much writing, too many math pages, or too much of literally any activity can be just too much, especially if they're not interested. And you know what I mean, because when your child comes to you to explain to you their Minecraft thingy or their Lego thingy or their you fill in the blank, at a certain point, you're like, okay, I heard, love you, I'm done. That's what happens with kids too. But I'm a mother of four. It is not possible to answer every one of my kids' questions. I cannot incarnate God or Google for the length of my homeschool duration. Can I hear an amen? However, I can recognize that their constant questions and curiosities can be used as starting points for introducing anything geology, logic, world economics, you name it, it can be done. And it can be done at any stage and age. The fifth thing that I learned, the fifth thing that I really come to understand about curiosity and its relationship to education, is that you don't have to worry that you don't know everything. Of course, mama, you don't need to know everything no one does. Teach them how to answer their own questions and lead them to resources. But definitely assume that their curiosity is the starting point to their education and then let them do their thing. A Chinese proverb said, your teacher can open the door, but you must enter by yourself. I'm interrupting this episode to invite you to the homeschool year-end review, a time to assess your past homeschool year and brainstorm for your upcoming homeschool year. Because I usually find that's the best time to plan for the upcoming homeschool year is to look at the one that we just had and say what worked, what didn't, what do we wanna do again, what might we be curious to include in our next year, and also we wanna assess our homeschools, align our actual activities that we're doing with our homeschool vision, because our vision can shift from year to year, and to also look at our homeschool curriculum and say, is it working for us? Can we include it in a way that actually works for us? How about our homeschool routine? I'm going to address the discussion on entering kindergarten and also entering high school. We'll address a real homeschool challenge you have and create an attack plan. I'm going to encourage you to show up on purpose in your homeschool and your life. 
So if you're interested in joining me for the homeschool year-end review, you can find out more at www.capturingthecharmedlife.com or you can email me directly to teresawiedrich at outlook.com. Now back to the episode. The sixth thing that I've learned is that when the cup is full, stop filling the cup. But just a little bit more grammar or French or Spanish or history, and that little might be too much. Anything more will not be received into their brains. They won't be understanding it. They won't be memorizing it. So just because you feel good that you did it and you can check it off your list, hmm. By the way, I've been there, done that. (laughs) Just so you know, don't feel guilty. Many homeschool moms do this. But when the cup is full, stop filling the cup. Don't overwhelm their systems with seat work or book work or formal lesson plans or doing an hour and a half or doing three hours or six hours or whatever prescription that you have as a notion of what your child needs to do, formal academics. Um, No watch your child. Overwhelm the system with too much social interaction, too many activities, too many lessons, too much screen time, and it's still just overwhelming. How much is too much? (laughs) You will know. You will see it in their fidgetiness, or their resistance, or their unhappiness. The busier and more active our schedule becomes, the more challenging it is to take in information. Said everyone, and especially kids. Overwhelm their senses, and things will get unpleasant. And I quote me from my book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Nurturing the Nurturer. The more freedom they have just to think, the more potential for cueing their creativity. Okay, that was super cheesy. Who quotes oneself? Number seven. Boredom is a good thing. A natural education is found after boredom begins. When someone shares with me, Mom, I'm bored, I think it means they're just about to crack a code. Unlock the secrets to the universe or discover the cure for cancer, maybe. Or that they are on the precipice of pursuing a new interest that might lead to one day cracking a code unlocking secrets or curing diseases. Maybe. At the very least, it opens them to developing their interests and their aptitudes, building their present interests, aka educating them. Ken Richardson says again, if you sit kids down hour after hour doing low-grade clerical work, don't be surprised if they start to fidget. Curiosity is the engine of achievement. Teaching is not a delivery system. Education is about learning. Don't be afraid of boredom, Mama. Curiosity is found in those boring moments. Maybe my child won't crack a code or unlock the secrets to the universe or discover a cure for cancer, but each of them will find meaningful things to occupy their time in this world when we trust them to occupy their own time. Boredom might mean creating backyard theater productions. The kids might put on goofy plays titled Pranky, where a girl plays a prank on another little girl. It's a silent film, 
complete with a five-year-old master of ceremonies and tickets for 50 cents, at a significant price, of course, despite you purchasing the kernels. Boredom might mean building backyard forts. There might be tree houses built in the backyard where the playground swings are dismantled and reattached to a tree, decomposed autumn leaves raked into separate rooms, and cardboard boxes made into cars. And an afternoon of a quiet hour inside for you as you watch them happily play through the window. Boredom might mean practicing musical talent. There might be extra guitar practice, piano playing, reorganizing of bedrooms, and painting of fingernails or walls. Hopefully not with the same paint. Or a spontaneous bedroom spa, which might mean you shelling out two bucks for a back massage, cucumber water, and toenail painting for you. P.S. Boredom often facilitates the entrepreneurial spirit. Boredom might mean satisfying curiosities. There might be reading about Russian tsarinas, wiki searches on koala bears and bumphead parrotfish, watching YouTube videos of the first walk on the moon, extended monopoly or chess games. Don't be afraid of boredom, Mama. The eighth thing that I've learned about curiosity and education is that I should not assume that a filled schedule, a stocked library, answers to everything I'm curious about, daily lesson plans, or even written work are the keys to educational success. Because education is not a product. It is a way of life. I love what William Butler Yeats says, and we probably all know it well, because if you aren't a new homeschooler, you will recognize this quote quickly. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire. Thank you, Yeats. So Erica, when you say I'm snatching 10 minutes here, and I'm snatching 10 minutes there, and I'm doing the formal academics in the cracks of my day. Yes, that. And since your art so much reminds me of the Impressionist art of Claude Monet, I found it rather curious that what he said, paint what you really see, not what you think you ought to see. And I would suggest that we homeschool mamas need to think about our children's education in a similar way. We paint what we really see. We help, we facilitate an education for a specific child, the specific child that is in our home. We don't try to create an education that we think ought to be done. We create one that needs to be done based on who they are. So paint what you really see, not what you think you ought to see. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you have thoughts or questions about the episode, I'd love to hear from you. So you can head on over to www.capturingthecharmlife.com. And if you're looking for an authentic, supportive community with like-minded homeschool mamas who want to show up on purpose in their homeschools and lives, you're welcome to join the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Patreon community, where once a month we join in a support chat and we get to have an extended conversation with one of our past podcast guests. And as a Patreon supporter, you'll get discounts on the D-School Your Homeschool Intensive coming up, the Homeschool Year-End Review, group coaching opportunities, 
and even the Homeschool Mama Retreat. I'm looking forward to getting to know you and your homeschool family. I'll see you there.